I had some joint venture partners way back in the day and we had done so well on these assets that we bought two properties together and they both went up $100,000. And the next thing that I got was a letter from my lawyer that said, that letter from their lawyer that said, thank you so much for your help, Ms. Brenham. Your services won't be needed anymore. See you later, bye-bye. So I married my break and, um, and we got into real estate because that was an industry that well, the harder we worked, the more direct the results were. You know, I can be a daughter, I can wear a daughter hat, I can wear a sister hat, but when we go into an investing room, I walk in with my investor hat on. We need to have investor conversations. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, today we're here with Mandy Brenham. She is the JV queen. So she's the queen of joint ventures. We're going to spend most of the episode talking about that. But anybody that's a constant listener knows we love to kick it off with a story. So Mandy, can you tell us your craziest real estate experience that you've had thus far? Oh, gosh. Which one to choose from? Because there <laughs> is there really a normal day in the life of a real estate investor? Right. Um, I would probably say that um, I had some joint venture partners way back in the day and we had done so well on these assets that we bought two properties together and they both went up $100,000. And the next thing that I got was a letter from my lawyer that said that letter from their lawyer that said, thank you so much for your help, Miss Brenham. Your services won't be needed anymore. See you later. Bye bye. And, you know, I could have eaten myself inside and out being like, this isn't right. That's not fair. You know, all this kind of stuff. And instead, I, I took the, the 40000 that they gave me and I realized that the other, the other was like a, the cost of my learning, the cost of me standing up behind the value that I brought. And so, uh, you know, I think so my, my biggest like, you know, story would be like, make sure that you're seeing everything really objectively. So it's not something that you get stuck in and you just like are down about. You're like, hmm, this sucks. What can I learn from it? You're either learning or earning and, and you just move on. And that story has made me so much more money than the quote, quote money that I didn't get paid. And so I thank them every day for the opportunity for me to have that story. Oh, I love this mindset. And it's very rare that we meet a seasoned investor that has not been taken advantage of. So this is a very, very positive mindset to have, of course. T talk to us about like, did you learn that mindset prior to real estate or did you just develop it on the fly? How did it come about? So I broke my neck when I was uh, 13, fell off the monkey bars. I'm a real active kid, you know, figure skating, playing hockey, all this kind of stuff. And here I am, boom. Okay. Like crashed on the side, monkey bars. And that was, that was it. I'm on a stretcher. Uh, had to have a halo put in. And I mean, I can't say that it was like in the moment, here's this 13 year old Mandy that was having these revelations around mindset. But I remember laying there going, Oh, this isn't for me. Oh, oh this isn't it. I'm not like, come on, like get to it. Come on body. Like do what you need to do because I got this life that I need to live. Okay. And so reflecting on it now, it was like, I go, I go down. I have these moments of this sucks. What's next? Like, you know, it's not, it's not staying stuck 
it's getting up, it's getting back up. And when you get back up, there's so much fun stuff on the other side that was different than when you, than, than when I, you know, gone down, um, that you kind of go, I'm so glad that this has happened because look at all the opportunities that's come to me. Look at all the learning lessons that's come. You know, I dropped out of university, um, left the country to go travel to New Zealand, Australia. And I remember my dad saying, I hope you come back a better person. And I was like, huh, those are interesting words. But you know what? I was probably grumpy. I was stressed. I was, you know, like you, you got all this debt from being a student. You're away from your parents, new friends. You're drinking. Like I'm failing out of university. I'm probably like, I was probably a really shitty ass kid at that time. So when he said, come back a better person, I was like, hmm, okay. So I went, I, you know, discovered myself. I taught myself how to read. If you can believe that, that one of my outcomes of dropping out of university was to realize that I was not reading at an appropriate level to keep up with the learning. So I traveled to New Zealand. I taught myself how to read. I came back and I'm, you know, here we are again. So, um, no, I don't think it's always been there. I just think it's, you know, you just kind of have to find it, um, as you, as you go, but it, it has been evident. My, my mindset has been evident throughout majority of my life. This is awesome. So I was not expecting to take this turn, but I'm really excited that we did. So I just can't, it's hard to imagine that this Mandy that I got to have a pre-call with that we are now talking to bubbly, like would have been the person you describe in college. If you're willing, and if you think it'll be a benefit, can you take us into the journey that you had while traveling? Like, what was it? Like people describe finding themselves, and I know it's an individual journey, but do you think there would be some nuggets in there that could be shared on what particularly happened and, and how did you create that transformation? I, it's a phenomenal question. Um, I removed everything that I knew from my environment, from what I thought was my safety net. And I traveled, actually, I traveled over with a friend, just a gentleman friend that invited me in the first place. And uh, we get over there and within two weeks, he's gone. He's going to do his own thing. So I kind of had one string of a safety net over there and then it was gone. Now, I mean, I could speak the, the language, which was good, right? It's Canadian. I knew it was safe. So I didn't, there was like, there was like human, human basic needs that I didn't have to worry about while I was there. But I had, I got the opportunity to reinvent myself. If I could show and shake your hand right now, it was the Mandy that I chose to be in that moment. It wasn't Mandy with preconceived notions of she can't read. She's not a good learner. She always gets third place. She can't sit still in school. Like, there's none of that preconceived notion when I show up in a new country and I can totally be who I want to be. Um, and so I think it just kind of, I went to church when I went, when I was over there, nobody made me go. I wasn't beside my grandparents. I went because I wanted to go. And then you get in there and you're just like, this is who I, who I want to be while I'm here. And, um, and I actually witnessed this in my daughter who went to France when she was in grade seven. So she was 13, 12, 12 or 13. And she went to France for 10 weeks and she came back, this kid that was like, da, 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 look at me, mom. I traveled to a new country all on my own. I carried my own passport. I learned a language. And, and she was just like rediscovered. She was a brand new version of herself 
Um, except because that's who you are when you travel. You can be any version of yourself when you travel. So I, that was just kind of my aha is that I could be anybody that I chose to want to be. I had to, you know, you take care of your own medical, you take care of your own finances, you're opening bank accounts, you're getting jobs, you're asking for rides, you've got to vocalize all this kind of stuff. So all that, if you're hiding behind something and you go and travel by yourself, you're like all, you're everything all in one. You have to be everything for yourself, advocate. Wow. 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 Um, so did the decision to essentially like try all these different things, shed everything, did it come from the comment from your dad? Like, I mean, what was the impact on you? Was it just kind of like, Oh dad, stop. Or was it like, did it hit you like a ton of bricks? What was that? How did that comment impact you? So I'm a weird person. Sometimes people will say things and then it's like weeks or months later. And I was like, did they really say that? Like, like I don't let anything kind of in the moment get to me. And then afterwards, that's where my brain goes, wait a minute here. You know, did my teacher really say that I can't read? Because in the moment I was like, whatever, da, 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 move on. So it kind of is like a, a, a safety mechanism, I think. So instead of being in the moment and having it halt you and 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 overthinking it and all this kind of stuff, I just kind of like, whatever, you know, because you never know what kind of mood somebody's in, right? What do they say? You just, you, you don't know what, what, what that person has got going on today. So you're on the totally. phone with somebody and, you know, they, they're, you know, do you have a moment to talk? And in your head, you're thinking no. And then there's tears that start on the other side of the phone. And you're like, oh, well, I guess they needed more than a moment. And all of a sudden you're just, you're just present with that person. Um, so I didn't overthink it when he said it. Um, I now am super grateful for that lesson. Um, you know, here's another one recently. Somebody said to me, we're looking at transition of property over to our 19-year-old daughter. And somebody said, are you sure she's ready for that kind of wealth and that kind of responsibility? And what if she screws it up? And what if, what if, what if? And so I was like, thank you so much for that question. Instead of her, instead of me judging her for asking that question and being like, who is she to think that I haven't taught my kid how to do this? I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of sit with that question for a little bit. And then I went and I asked a few and I, you know, did some journaling on it. And then I was like, wow, I am so glad she asked because now I'm really sure of the, of the outcome that I want to take. And it's, it's still exactly the same thing that I was doing before. Love this. Your perspective is so amazing. I mean, the ability to encounter negative situations, which I, I'm seeing now is probably tied to this. You have this element of being able to wait when something negative happens and reflect, and that allows you to shift and stay positive. Like just so, like so much value in what you're saying. Give us an idea. So you're, you're traveling throughout Australia and these other amazing places. You're finding yourself. You came back a happier, better person. Where does that take you from there? Um, so I went to college, I came home and I was like, boom, I'm going back to college. Um, I did uh, business marketing. So I knew I wanted business. I didn't quite know where that would land. Um, I met my husband and, uh, it was like, I needed, I needed from the, from the floundering Mandy traveling all around, I needed his groundedness. I was, it was exactly what I was looking for. Um, you know, we just celebrated 20 years. So, you know, it was exactly the right time that things kind of had happened, came home, had babies. And um, it was, uh, you know, I worked in a, in a steady environment for 12 years before my entrepreneurial spirit kind of 
kept perking and saying, wait a minute, Mandy, you have more to offer than what this darn paycheck shows you that your value is. And Larry and I are super hard workers. Like you need something done. You're going to ask two busy people. That'll be us. And guess what? We'll get it done for you. And I thought, what industry can I turn to? Because I was the, I'm the gas pedal. Larry's my brake. You can't have a car without a gas pedal because you won't go anywhere. And you can't have a car without a brake or you die. So, but you can't, but you need both to be able to, to actually get, get, get someplace. So I married my break and, um, and we got into real estate because that was an industry that well, the harder we worked, the more direct the results were. We saw the paychecks. We saw the refinance checks. We saw the assets go up in value. And so that's all that it took. That was 2014 um, that we kind of just really discovered the power of real estate. And um, I went full-time in 16, Larry went full-time in 18, and, um, and here we are going strong. Wow, this is absolutely tremendous. I just love your way to articulate your story and the metaphor that you just gave was just brilliant. You were the gas pedal and he is the brake and everybody needs one. Um, so I mean, it's kind of like the visionary integrator role. Um, it sounds like you guys have that combination and I could totally relate in my own life because my relationship is very similar. Um, you did say something um, that kind of caught me just briefly before that. You said you both knew that you were worth more than the paycheck. Um, did you know that like internally, like, could you explain that feeling that you knew that you were worth more and, and just the, the process behind it? So we had joined a network marketing company. Uh, so, you know, $400 and you're a business owner, the harder you work, the more direct your results. So I do really, I love, I love the power of network marketing. And I really encourage people who are doing that or who are, you know, have an opportunity to take a, a chance, right? It's a small, easy way to be able to get into business. And that's when we were um, brought on to Darren Hardy and the success magazines and the success um, CDs. So our car was like a university on wheels. And, and so through that $400 business that we started, and we started to see some paychecks, we got a, we earned a, a BMW. And I showed up at work in my BMW and my bosses were like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is, I've earned this. I mean, and I had, it was all legit, right? Um, I'd earned this BMW and I was just like, my, my position and my paycheck don't match the potential that we have in this small little business. You know, Jim Rohn, he talks about, he, he kept his part-time job, uh, he, you know, do, or yeah, he kept his job until his fortune was just, it was ridiculous and he had to let one one go. Well, that was kind of my little moment when I showed up. Now, two weeks later, the boss had bought a BMW. And so there was now two BMWs parked in the parking lot. And I just thought it was very interesting that he was now looking to try and match me. And at the same time, um, I was talking to him, the building that our, that our, that the, the, the business was in was for sale. And I was like, why don't you buy this? You've done like a $200,000 leasehold improvement to this property. Why don't you just buy it? Oh, I don't want to be a landlord. I'm like, you are the tenant. Like there's one more tenant other than you in this building. Like, why don't you just buy it? Oh, I don't want to. 
And so I'm thinking to myself, can I buy this building? Because I want him as my as my tenant, right? But anyways, I was I never did uh, be able to do that. But you could just tell the conversations that I was having were like, this isn't your this isn't a typical admin conversation that you're having with this boss. So, wow. And it sounds like to me hearing this, you're being transformed by listening to Darren Hardy, listening to Jim Rohn as it goes. And that's starting to change the way that you think. You've already got the energy, the drive, the passion, just a little bit of direction from these really successful guys. And you go from admin, not getting paid what you're worth to showing up in the BMW, you're influencing your boss to go out and buy them. This is, this is incredible. I'd love to go back to the analogy you gave or the metaphor. I'm not an English person, so I always use the wrong word about uh, gas and the brakes. So I'd like to explore this metaphor a little bit. So essentially, I'm in a position where like my, my wife does the home situation, I do the business situation. So that works well, but we're not in work together. So I'm always fascinated by how does it work when people work together. If both people press the gas and the brake at the same time, the car is just going to spin the tires and whatnot. So there's got to be an on-off communication. Can you dive into that a little bit as far as what do you see as the optimal way or the optimal solution for two people that are serving very different purposes in a marriage and a business? Yeah. So um, there's absolutely a level of trust, okay? That that you're you trust your partner to know that if you know if one is at home with the children, you don't even have to question what they're doing because you trust them 100%. And there's this level of trust that the other one has to be able to say, you're out building our business and I trust you, okay? So when Larry was still working, our kids right now are 17 and 19. I think they were like, you know, we'll say 11 and um, nine and 11 when we started. So they were somewhat independent, not little wee babies, but um, he would stay home often with them and I would go out to the networking event. So I was doing the building of the business. Um, and so sometimes that all in itself might be a bit of a roles reversed. Um, but he also had a job when we started and uh, we needed his job. We needed his job for the consistency of the income. We needed his job for mortgage qualifications for us to be able to build our portfolio. Um, and so there's also this, this trust factor, but there's this mutual beneficial understanding that no role is more important than the other. That's just, that's just massive, right? He, yeah, he's at work making, you know, $65,000, $70,000 a year, and I'm out growing this multi-million dollar business. We couldn't have been doing what we were doing without each other doing what they were doing. So that's, you know, just a, um, you know, kind of a, some conversations. I also talk a lot about masculine, feminine energy and, you know, females still need to be female. So I would come home and I would be the damsel in distress and I would make dinner and nurture everybody because there was a, there's a massive part of me, obviously that still needs to nurture. And even though I was building this business, he needed to be the provider. So he still goes hunting. He still changes the tires on my car, still makes sure that everything's safe. He's still like, he is the provider. And so I just, you know, so there's also this awareness of, you know, gas and brake and how one's building and the other one is supporting. Not to say that the builder is more important than the supporter because the builder couldn't build if the supporter hadn't supported. And, um, but the supporter needs to support in order to allow the builder to go build. And so it's like this mutual understanding that no role is more important than the other and that both are more are mutually beneficial. 
Um, and, um, and away you go. Oh, absolutely. 110%. I mean, not only are they mutually beneficial, they're equally valuable. Um, the brake is just as important as the gas. Obviously, as you said, if you're only hitting the gas, eventually you're going to crash, right? So you need to be able to drive cautiously. Um, I love being able to speak in metaphoric terms like this. Um, I would love, I would love to get into how you became the jo the joint venture queen. Um, so you obviously mentioned that you're doing networking events. Um, joint ventures often come from networking. So could we talk about your networking strategies so that you you were able to establish these joint venture relationships? So Larry and I were finding deals, like really good deals. And I remember saying to a mentor, um, how do I attract capital? How do I attract partners? And he kind of stood back and he, you know, he did this and he was like, just keep doing what you're doing, Mandy. People are watching. And so you're kind of like, who, who are these people that are watching, but you're at these networking events. So a, I really encourage people. Um, I like, I have, uh, energy as you guys can tell, I love to bring my energy cause this is my jam. I love talking about this stuff. Okay. But I am very protective of my energy. So if I were to go to say, um, a family function for me, um, and I start, talking about real estate investing and what do you mean you've got no mortgage you could you could leverage that you could put a mortgage on it we could do this we could do this we could do this okay i'm trying to take somebody from a non-believer to a joint venture partner that's a lot of work a lot of mandy's energy and it's probably not going to ever really come to for tuition okay uh, i love everybody for where they're at and their level of belief okay but not everybody's at the level of belief that i am so i thought okay if i'm protecting my energy and i'm making i don't want to get down like you don't want to go to 10 people who say no and then you're like that's it i give up okay um so i thought where can i go that people already understand real estate investing Boom, networking events, real estate networking events. There's some major companies in Canada and they put on these, you know, real estate investing evenings, um, dinners, uh, conferences. So I thought I'm going to go to these places where people already understand real estate investing. So I don't have to, I don't have to convince them they want real estate. They're already there. They're just like, how do, where do I write that? I can't find the property. Well, I got a property for you. So I, so I went to these, just, they're all online now. You can, you know, a lot of, which is beautiful. People are turning into in-person events right now. I tell you, if you can go and get in person, it's not, no, like, I mean, I love online for the connection of it. I've met so many people and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I know you. I followed you on social for the last three years. I was like, I have no idea who you are, um, which is brilliant. That's the point of social media, but go and in-person meet some of these people. And then you can really connect with them and you're not convincing them on a, I call it my readiness to invest scale. Okay. I don't want anybody who doesn't believe who's not, you know, doesn't already have the inclination that they want real estate as a part of their diversified real estate of their diversified investment portfolio. I want somebody who's like, well, I got a HELOC, but I can't find a property. Um, I've put in three offers, but I've not been successful. Um, I've got two mortgages, but I don't know how to get, you know, three, four and five. Excellent. You now are the kind of people that I would like to connect with and be able to take your investing to the next level. And so those are some very easy people. So I would say those are like 50% ready to invest, um, you know, 75% ready to invest. Somebody's like, you know, I put in three offers. I can't, I can't get it. Boom. 
let me help you. Let me, here's five properties that I've got under contract right now. Which one of these might match your investment goals? Come on in and let's be a joint venture partner. Wow. What a tremendous answer. Um, you said a couple things that I thought were so, so important to highlight there. Um, Cause you mentioned at the very beginning, like you were probably trying to talk with your family and friends a lot. And it was like talking to a wall. It's like you have the, the keys to the kingdom, right? And you, you want to give it to everybody. But if they're not open to the idea, I mean, essentially, you're just talking to a wall and it's going to stay that way because you have to convince them of the idea before they even could even think about analyzing or analyzing it rather. Um, how long did it take for you to make um, that? What's the word I'm looking for? Connection. Were you doing that for a long time or were you just doing it very briefly and you're just like, okay, this isn't working. I need to talk with people that are already on my wavelength. It did not take me very long at all to realize that I don't even think I necessarily thought, oh, I'm going to turn to my family to talk about real estate, like about joint ventures. Let's be clear about joint ventures because Larry and I had a couple properties. We were working on a flip. And nobody was interested in hearing about our real estate. Um, now, I mean, I think they hear, they hear, but they don't engage. Um, like, oh, don't start with her. You know, that's going to be an hour long conversation kind of thing. And so I just, I would go to these events and you would honestly think I'm a different person. You'd think I'm an introvert when I'm at engagements where I'm not necessarily my true version of myself, but here... <laughs> This is my true version. Ask me about real estate. Ask me about financing. Ask me about the market. This is what I, I love to talk about. And so I just went into those events very differently. I, I certainly don't go into them thinking they're going to be my joint venture partners. Um, now, I, I know there'll be opportunities that I will turn to my family and say, like, you know what? Um, this is phenomenal opportunity. If you guys have been watching, if you've been waiting you know, this would be something that I would with my whole entire body know that um, that you'd be safe in. Keep in mind, too, it's kind of like that whole who um, I described it when I said, who was I when I got on a plane to go to New Zealand? That I could be any version of myself. <laughs> Your family knows that you broke up with a girlfriend, that you drank in high school, that you smoked weed, that your mom found magazines under your bed. Like your family knows all that shit. So they're kind of like, what? Now I'm supposed to trust you? Like, you, you know, like what version of you? Oh, is this a network marketing thing you want me to join? And now you want me to join your real estate business? It's just another fad. It's, you know, like what? So you can already see we all like we all went to that version of ourselves that we're like, oh, yeah, I can see why Uncle, you know, Joey thinks that about me. OK, and so maybe that's not the best room. So now you go to this network room of real estate investors. And what do you do? You walk through the room and who do they think you are? You're a real estate investor. You can be any version of yourself when you walk through that room, but you walk through the room of a family gathering and they have 22 years of your history of who you are and what's gone on in your life. So sometimes you might, that might not be the easiest room um, for you to be able to go to and, and, and talk to about money, but you can show up at any real estate investor meeting and be whoever you want to be when you show up into that room. Gosh, this hits so hard. So like you and I, I feel like we have so much in common from like the sense of when we're talking about our passion, the energy just abounds from us. And yet you put us in another type of situation and it's like, I have no energy. 
It is so weird. And, and just, it sounds like you're, you're like us in the sense that you love inspiring people and you love helping people come up the ladder. And so you're sharing out of true like desire to contribute and desire to help. And yet when you share it with people that aren't ready, it, it doesn't go well. Um, and a lot of times it can come back on you. I feel like I'm sensing from you that you've had some hard life lessons in that. Like I have where I've truly given people what I feel like are the best opportunities I could possibly find for them. And as a, as a, as a gift and, and the receiving of them is actually negative and, and it's, it's a shocked me. So I can really, really relate to when you're saying like a hey, pick, pick your people, pick when, pick your spots, all that type of stuff. Um, wow. So as you've discovered more about yourself and your passion, like how do you balance or do you even try and balance living a life that is just full of joy and energy and the rest of life, which is filled with, you know, the old friends, the old family, like how much do you try and keep this part of your life alive and how much do you step into, you know, the thing you're most passionate about? I was, uh, Larry and I were pretty lonely for a good portion of, um, two to four years as we transitioned from friends and circles that we were part of, um, you know, your kids are in hockey. You've got this obligation of people at tournaments and stuff like that. Um, uh, but really choosing the right people who would come over for, you know, don't just come over for dinner. We're going to do a vision board night and that's what we're doing. And we're going to have, you know, we're going to talk relationships when you come over because it's just a conversation that we feel is very important to be able to have and put stuff on the table. So it's not just, you know, closed in a drawer and under a bed at home. And so we have, you know, conversations about relationships, but we were pretty lonely for a while. Um, and, you know, we, we would get invited to events and Larry would be like, come on, you know, you want to socialize with people. And I was like, I know but we'd be going backwards if we went there. And I still have this huge admiration, please understand, right? That it doesn't mean that I don't love and value those people, but I love and value who I am more and this new version of myself and the places that I'm going. And so now I have people and I have a really, 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 really good friend who is going to, who is, who is somebody that I'm going to connect with you guys. And, um, uh, she and I have visions like we want an Italian villa and we want to travel to this place. And we want to have, you know, properties and do all this kind of stuff. And we have other people that we would love for them to come and have a third villa beside us because I mean, anyone can do what we're doing really. Right. And, and instead we said, is it okay that we just have certain people come and visit us at our villa, not own a villa beside us because not everybody wants to own a villa. Not everyone wants to work as hard as we work. Not everybody gets up every day and is willing to, you know, eat the bullfrog first and do those things that nobody else is willing to do and spend the money on stuff that nobody else really is really quite grasping what needs to be spent and how they need to do that. But they're still beautiful people and we love them. And so um, just acknowledging that for me, um, there is this slight break um, or gap in between who I was and where I was going. And for a while, there was really nobody else in between here. You know, there's my kids, there's the people that I interact with, but like, I wouldn't have said that there was anybody on my circle of five um, for a portion of time until slowly I added five more people to my list. Wow. 
gosh, uh, I wish you lived closer to us so we could have vision board nights. Like, like just the idea of that sounds so amazing. Um, you know, to be able to share the deepest parts of yourself and your goals and your dreams and the energy that comes from that. So kudos. One thing you said, like really struck a chord too, like networking events for me in certain ways are hard, maybe similar to like what you described, because you're talking about the weather, you're talking about these, you know, what I consider to be surface level things. And so it was interesting, like I had thought about things like podcasting a long time ago, but decided not to, because I'm like, oh gosh, like that's probably not my thing. And then recognizing that literally podcasting is just skipping the small talk, going straight to the good stuff, building deep relationships. Like doing this with you right now is so enjoyable, like to, to hear you share things that like are, you know, resonating with me. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. And anybody listening, like if, if you also maybe struggle with some of these types of things, maybe you should consider getting in a podcast where you can cut straight past some of these things if you're feeling lonely and get straight into these relationships you can have have forever so yeah and have um have conversation starters like hey tell me about the kind of deal you're working on right now you don't have to go up to somebody and say hi my name's mandy you know what do you think of the weather today right like we perceive we perceive that that's what everybody that's the basic level of conversation and i actually make it pretty known that if we talk about the weather it's the lowest form of conversation that I have. <laughs> right. That's not what you want to be talking to me about. That's what I say to a neighbor on the street. Oh, so glad it's not raining today. Yeah, says Mandy to some stranger on the street. But if we're talking, we go straight into this. So have you set goals for yourself lately? Where are you traveling to next? What kind of opportunities? How are you adding to your net worth? Like, I like somebody asked me that, I'd be like, emergency break. I want to <laughs> talk to this person. Because they don't really care about the lower, the, the lower stuff. I mean, you could say like, hey, how are you integrating your family into your business? That can be something that you can touch that somebody loves their family, they love business, but now you're, you know, integrating everything in. I mean, maybe that's, you know, you can say to somebody, how's your mom? If you know that there was, you know, a, something going on with them, you, you still can be personal, um, but you don't have to dwell in those situations. You don't have to dwell in a sore, you know, sore ankle that you haven't been able to walk for whatever, whatever, next, move on. <laughs> Because you just can't get stuck in that kind of stuff. So I talk a lot about wearing different hats when you go in. Um, and, you know, I can be a daughter. I can wear a daughter hat. I can wear a sister hat. But when we go into an investing room, I walk in with my investor hat on. We need to have investor conversations. Um, how are we growing? How are we adding value to each other? What are the opportunities you're working on? How can I add value to the deal that you're working on? That's a phenomenal. People will be like, Oh my gosh, I'm stuck on this property. I don't know how to put in the next offer. I don't know, you know, the seller's stuck on this, the, you know, the tenants are whatever. Excellent. How can we brainstorm and solve that problem for you today? I love this. Love this. Love this. So start taking us through, you guys go through the learning process. You start JVing. Kind of give us a journey of how your business has progressed. So that was 2014. Uh, we hired a coach for the first time, and uh, and he was the one that encouraged us to you know if you find more deals than you then you have the capital to be able to do you can you know turn to joint venture partners. So we have um, what did we have we uh, we had one duplex um, in 2014. Um, I think we've transacted probably 150 deals in the last eight years. 
uh, still hold over a hundred properties. That's not something that's like, you know, to brag about because a lot of them are small multis, two to four units. Um, but I've significantly, I should, I should like calculate the value of the, the financial trajectories that I have changed, but over 50 joint venture partners that have, you know, succeeded through real estate investing, um, I've got just lives have changed um, through my investing and um, and that's what keeps me going. That what what I know I've I've been put here to be able to allow somebody to go through cancer treatments and say, Mandy, just so you know, the only thing that we haven't worried about is our rental properties. And I was like, good, because that's the last thing that you need to worry about. That is all me. You know, you've had loss of children and they're in the grieving process and they're like, it's so good not to have to worry about our rental property. I'm like, excellent. You got enough else going on your plate over there. Let me deal with all this kind of stuff. So um, I've, I've, I've really, I've touched a lot of lives and a lot of lives have, have touched mine. So I think the word impact is a good, uh, is a good place. I really, really enjoy impacting lives. Oh, I love that so much, so much, especially the impact term and just helping other people in their lives, um, which is also something that you're doing right now. Correct. Could we kind of get into that? What what kind of process that looks like when you're working with somebody that's getting new into investing? Um, so, I mean, I, uh, there is a coaching aspect. I can't say that I necessarily coach. This is an interesting, um, people can take away. So I want people to listen to me as, Hey, I want to be a Mandy. I want to attract capital and I want to be that active expert working partner. But I also want people who are like, Oh my gosh, like Mandy's amount of energy. I'll never have that amount of energy. I just want to be a passive investor. Okay. So you're kind of talking to both sides. So when we were starting, we knew we had the energy, we knew we had the drive, we wanted to be able to do, uh, to be that active side. And, um, and so, you know, by working with people, it would be like, look at, um, I'm a busy lawyer. I have two little kids under the age of two. I want, I know I want real estate. I've put a HELOC on my home, but I can't dedicate the time that's required. And I say, look at, give me five years. So I will go, we'll, uh, I'll bring some properties to my investors, properties that meet my requirements, properties that are deals that I want to do. So I never go, somebody say, you know, like, oh, I'd like a seven unit on this street in this town. And I go like a crazy person trying to meet what it is that investor is looking for. I will bring deals that, uh, deals that fit my lifestyle, deals that fit my model. And I'd say, look, at here's five deals. Why don't we put a combination of two properties together? And, um, and so then this, my, my financial partner was the, uh, they would buy, put their name on title, qualify for the mortgage. And I would be the one assisting with the transformation of the property, um, the stabilization of the property. I help them assist with the strategy for the mortgages right? It's a, uh, it's one thing to be able to say, Oh, I can get one mortgages. And you're like, yeah, but can you get five? Like, let me help show you how to get five mortgages. So I really work with my investors to strategize. So here's this young family, they've got two little kids and five years later, I'm like, look at the value of the asset has gone up significantly. You've got more time. You're in a different kind of um, life with now, you know, let's say five and seven year olds. Um, and they're like, and then we part ways. 
we sell the asset. One person can buy out the other or the opposite way. Um, or we just, or they're just like, we love these. Like they're, they're perfect for what, for our white lifestyle is. Let's do this for another five years. So we do a refinance, pull out some capital, and then we hold on to the assets for another five years. What a tremendous answer. I really love how, how intentional you are with what you do with almost everything. I mean, you are very clearly building the life that you want, the client you want, you want, I mean, it's, it's so perfect the way that you have everything built out. Um, the, here's a question I would have, because you said not everybody's going to be like Mandy Brenham, right? What are three tips that you would have for somebody to try to emulate your success? Yep. Stand into your power. Okay. If you're a contractor and you're a damn good contractor, be a damn good contractor who offers real estate joint ventures, not who, who an investor can hire as a really darn good contractor. Stand into the power that you have. If you're a paralegal and you can, you can, um, take a bee's nest of a property with tenants that are whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, I do that all day for my clients. Why don't I do that for joint venture partners? Excellent. Okay. If you're a darn good realtor, okay. Stand into your power as being a realtor. You don't, you know, but you have to take off your realtor hat and put on your joint venture expert hat because other people will say, well, if you're such a, if you can find such good deals, I'll just buy it from you. You can be my agent. You're like, oh no, actually, this opportunity, same with contractors, same with a paralegal, um, you're like, this opportunity is only offered as a joint venture opportunity. Would you like to work with me in this opportunity? There's no, there's no and or, okay, fine, I'll just sell it to you. Okay, fine, I'll just be your contractor. So tip number one is to stand into the genius that you are of and knowing what you're offering to a joint venture partner. Number two, is to <laughs> literally the hardest part about attracting capital is the belief factor between here and here that you have enough value, okay, to be able to attract uh, and offer that value to those joint venture partners. So I want you to make a list of 100, 200, like keep going. The benefits of working with you as a, uh, why a passive investor would work with you as an active expert real estate partner. Okay. And I want you to know that you've got access to deals. You know, the inside, go into your power team, go into your strategies, your tips, the learning lessons you've had in the past from all those, you know, lost money, not lost money. Like really the strategies, are you an Airbnb specialist? Are you a, you know, you're going to be a buy, hold and flip a, a burr, whatever it is, write all that stuff down so that you go, holy shit. Somebody would be silly not to partner with me because look at all the stuff that I'm bringing. Tip number three, pick a strategy and become a gosh darn expert at it. If you want to do large multifamilies, be in the large multifamily space. If you want to be in mobile homes, be in the mobile home space. If you want to raise capital and all you're doing is connecting people to become an expert in your space. None of this dilly dally. None of this dilly jelly. Guess what somebody calls me? They're like, Mandy, I'm ready for a joint venture. That's right. Because they're going to call me because I do joint ventures. Nobody's going to call me and say, hey, the next property you have that you're looking to wholesale, I'd love to wholesale it. Nobody calls me for that. 
because that's not what I'm known for. So as much as there's like, you can be a little bit of a kid in a candy store and you want to put, you know, some five cent candies in your bag. That's not the, that's not the strategy of real estate investing. Okay. So number one, step into your genius. Number two, make a darn good list so that you believe and see the value of what it is you're bringing to a joint venture partner. And number three, stay in your lane, pick a strategy and, and just become so good at it. What do they say? Become so good and ignore you. That's it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Thank you for that. That is incredible. So what I'd like to do now is have you take us into like the behind the scenes of these joint venture partnerships. So typical person starting out, it's like everything's got to be 50-50 because that's the only way life can be fair is 50-50. Do you see it that way or is it more nuanced than that where the a specific property who's coming into it will determine how that partnership is set up? The majority of my opportunities for small multifamily due to the strategy that I have and the work that I bring to the table are all 50-50. My larger multifamilies um, where I'm attracting multi-million dollars in capital, yes, is a very different structure, okay? So if I would say that we're talking to the average beginner investor who wants to build a massive portfolio or wants to start out with what's attainable um, and what's available on a larger amount, 50-50 is 50-50, 50-50, 100%, 50-50. So when you structure these, like a lot of times they say 50-50 partnerships are a challenge because like who has the ability to make the decision of selling? So in your agreements, do you structure it so that while it's 50-50 in ownership, as far as the proceeds are concerned, you have sole discretion on when and how the property sold? How do you develop the exit strategy with that partner? You know what? I'm um, <laughs> I'm an open book here. Love this. We can have, can we have hard conversations? Can we talk if COVID hits again? Can we talk if interest rates change again? Can we talk about a recession? Then we can have hard conversations. We can have easy conversations, which means we should have conversations about everything. You know, if there's a person that you're questioning who has the authority to make the decision to sell before you've even bought a property, they're not somebody I go into business with. Okay. We've got joint bank accounts that there's not an, not a penny that comes out of a joint bank account that isn't a shared decision. Um, that isn't, um, you know, uh, shared an invoice. Here you go. 395 bank fee. Everything that comes out of the bank account is, is, um, is known, is explained and, and is agreed upon. I mean, okay, so we hired a bookkeeper and she's doing both our corporate year ends and she's doing our whatever. We, we, we pay for that expense. It's just, it's just the way, it's just the way that it is. And you know what, if you can have those hard conversations up front, like renovations are taking longer and they're going to be an extra $20,000. Okay. And that sucks. And I'm really sorry that I'm the one that has to bring that to you. Okay. But you know, we saw, found a leak in the basement that wasn't there and you know that we have, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's, I'm still taking a hundred percent responsibility for said issue. Um, but it's like, you just don't have to apologize for everything. You know, you don't, you're not trying to make it rosy for the investor because an investor in a 50, 50, Matt, in a 50, 50, you're like, come with me for 50% of the good and 50% of the bad. 
Nobody said this is 100%. Mandy's going to make this so there's no bad. That's not what I said. I said, come with me. And it's not if, you know, because if you just want to borrow somebody's money and they don't, they only want the upside and they don't want the downside. Okay. Somebody only wants the upside, no downside. You say, look, I'll give you 10% on your money. You give me a hundred grand. I'll give you 10%. At the end, I'll give you 110 grand. Okay. But on this side, I've busted my balls. I've dealt with contractors. I've gone over budget. I found things that I didn't know was going on. And I made... I made a shit ton more than, than 10%. Well, but I want a little bit of that. Then come along for the ride. Okay. So I'm really, really clear to people that, um, that this is still investing. Uh, I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not a magician. I can't make everything go perfect. Um, but the majority of my investors who are, who are laid back, I swear to God, they're the ones that the properties are like, they just kind of float. They just kind of keep going. And the ones who are like, Mandy, Mandy, you know, it's just Mandy. They're the ones that are attracting shit going on in the properties. I'm like, just go, go on vacation or something. Just go on vacation because I can't have you asking me about this property every three weeks, every month that the property management invoice comes out. Stop calling me. Okay. Um, so, so you really have to be able to know your investor up front, be able to have those hard conversations. Um, and you know, if you, if you've done your work and you know, the value of what you bring 50% is, is an easy amount to be able to offer somebody to say that you, you've earned your share of those rewards. And, and it's nice. I mean, for the partnerships that do go 50, 50, it, it's just like, there's something about our mind that says that's fair. And so it's, it's, I think it creates that sense of balance too, which can be really, really nice. I am really impressed by the success that you've created and the number of partners that you've been able to work with. 50 partners is not a small number. So tell us like, what is your vision for the next say 12 to 18 months? What do you hope to accomplish? Um, I have a 72 unit building that we are seven or sorry, a 72 unit development that, uh, 12 to 18 months, we will be taking through site plan approval to be able to, you know, in 24 months would be shovel in the ground. So I'll be attracting, um, some capital to be able to do that. I've got a 30 unit, um, that I am going to be bringing, um, investors on and I have in the next 12 months. We are, we are launching a fund to be able to include investors who have smaller amounts of money to be able to invest into some of these opportunities because not everybody that uh, wants to invest can start off and, um, you know, with the higher amounts. So, so in the next 12 to 18 months, those are three of the things. And I will be standing on stage inspiring other people to to turn to real estate as a, as a vehicle that they can take control of their own financial future. Um, uh, so that'll be on a, on North America wide will be the stages that I will be standing on. Absolutely tremendous. Um, I hope to see you on stage sometime. I mean, your energy is so infectious. I mean, I would just love to see you talk. Um, let me ask you this question. If you had a billion dollars, in a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, what would you do with your time? 
speak on stages, inspiring people to be able to know that I'm just a regular person that could do it. And, um, and everybody else can, can do it too. Just find that best version of yourself. Give yourself permission to let that little spark that you thought you've been shutting out and pretending didn't exist for years and just be like some girl from Midland, Ontario is a billionaire now. If she can do it, so can I. Yeah, totally. And I, I just resonate so deeply with the fact that like, when you find what you're meant to do, like how could you do anything else? Like, even if, you know, even if you had all the money in the world or all the whatever it is in the world, like this is where you want to be. So tell us when you're, when you're speaking on stage, is it, obviously it's meant to inspire, is it to share the message of JVing or is it a little bit more broad as far as what you're hoping to get people to do? Real estate, in, real the, the power of real estate for sure. Um, I'm definitely known to drop some F-bombs. I'm really real. And I just like people to understand that it's, you know, it's not the Instagram life. It's not, you know, this is, this is what it looks like on Instagram and this is the real life. Um, you know, I, I, I'm as authentic on stage as I am here. And as I am in real life, some days I get dressed, other days I'm in scrubs, right? Like that's just the reality of what, of what it takes to be an entrepreneur, the, you know, the hardships of working from home, um, you know, with kids and distractions and dogs and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's an inspiration. It definitely has a feel of the power of being able to attract other people to your business. I mean, like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm invested in Jeff Bezos' vision. Now, we can say that we all own stocks in Amazon, but really, we've invested in his vision of what of how he's changing the world. We've invested. I mean, I, I know that Elon Musk's vision is going to, is going to out, outlive him. And the, you know, the day it'll outlive all of us. And the day that we stand on another, on another um, planet um, as humanity will be like, this vision was started um, a long, long, long time ago. So I, I want to be that kind of that inspiration, that beginning, that lighter of that little spark to be able to just get it going in people. And, and everybody's a genius. Everybody's a genius and everybody's a billionaire. How we hold our wealth and where we hold our genius is unique inside of everybody. But can you imagine if the whole world kind of had their spark of genius just, you know, ignited? My goodness. I can only imagine. And, and you see it because like you see the people that do and the passion that they walk around with and the energy and the confidence and all of those traits that, that just feel so amazing. And then you see other people that don't have that. And you, I know that's, you long for that like I do that that spark would turn on. So amazing. Well, Queen Mandy, Queen of the JV, thank you so, so much for being on the show, for sharing your life, like your real life, like the real stuff behind it, your business, the successes, everything. You've given us some great strategies and just your self-awareness to, to, to detail that journey was, was absolutely tremendous. So guys, if you are listening, please write down one thing that can change your life from this episode. Share it with somebody who could hold you accountable. Have a vision night with them instead of like a movie watching night and so that your life can, can change. One action at a time is how we acquire freedom. So guys, take that action and we will catch you guys on the next episode.